0: You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and this week's episode is brought to you by the kind sponsorship of Minute. Are you worried about noise complaints and unauthorized parties, or smoking in your rentals? Meet Minute, your peace of mind solution. Minute sensors discreetly monitor noise levels, occupancy, and even detect cigarette smoke, all while respecting guest privacy. Easy to install and manage from anywhere, Minit integrates seamlessly with your smart home devices and enhancing the guest experience while ensuring your property's safety. Say goodbye to sleepless nights and hello to happy neighbors and guests. Protect your investment with Minit. Check the link in the description of this episode to find Minit in our virtual vendor showcase. Without further ado, let's get this episode started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer.
1: Today's guest is part of the new Australian short-term rental contingent that has been hitting the conference stages throughout Europe, the US and South America in the past year. I heard Rebecca Cribbin speak in Barcelona at the SCALE conference last May and I was so inspired I wanted to bring her on here to share her message about keeping it together under pressure. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I'm super delighted to be back with you once again. Wow, we had quite the week last week. We evacuated the RV because of tornado watches and warnings and headed to an inland hotel, along with many, many other people actually in the park. Some waited it out, but, you know, we thought about it and... This 38 feet of plywood construction is probably not the most robust accommodation to be in, in case of a tornado. And sadly, there was a tornado touchdown in an RV park in Mariana, Florida. And it pretty much wiped it out. Um, Five people were taken to hospital and most of the rigs in that RV park were destroyed. There was a lot of of damage along the Florida panhandle last week with that weather. We've just been through something very similar today without the tornado watches. But uh, just the rain is phenomenal. And we had high winds too. So it was a little bit of shake, rattle and roll for a while, but we did stay put. So I was glad when the weather settled down enough so that I could record this interview with Rebecca Cribbin. So 10 years or so ago, we hadn't heard much about the short-term rental world in Australia. We we didn't know much about what was going on down there. In fact, my first meeting with an Australian property owner wasn't until 2016 when Diane Denton, who is the owner of Seahorse Diamond Beach, came to our Vacation Rental Success Summit in Toronto. Diane's got such a great niche because she welcomes horses to her vacation rental, as well as dogs. And we spent a lot of time talking. I mentioned Diane's website in a lot of my courses, particularly the ones I'm doing about niche marketing, because she really has hers nailed. I'll put a link to Diane's website in the show notes so you can check it out. But Diane and her husband came to VRSS again in 2018 when we held it in San Antonio, and it was really great to see her for a second time. Then the following year I met Deborah Larby. If you've ever been to a scale conference or one of Antonio Bortolotti's Vacation Rental World Summits, you will not have missed Deborah. She's so enthusiastic and inspiring. She's a serial entrepreneur. Look her up on Google. I will put some of Deborah's sites, she has many, on the show notes, so you can check her out. So those words, enthusiastic and inspiring, are actually the two words I'd use for all the Australians that are now on the conference circuit. There's Bart Sobies, Julie George, and of course, Rebecca Cribbin. And I've never been to Australia, but if these folks are representative of the short-term rental business leaders over there, the managers and owners are so blessed with the wealth of knowledge, the motivational spirit and joy they bring to the business. They're just so much fun. So I first met Rebecca in Barcelona last May at the Book Direct show, and she gave such a great presentation on a topic we don't talk about often enough, and it's about how we manage our own well-being and mental health while doing this business. I love that presentation. I've been bugging her ever since to come onto the show and talk about it with my audience because she's got a message that should be shared widely. So, without further ado, let's go on over to my conversation with Rebecca Cribbin of Holiday Rental Experts. Mm-hmm. So I'm super happy to have with me today, Rebecca Cribbin. I finally pinned Rebecca down because we last, you know, I last spoke about meeting Rebecca in May and it was a podcast, it was about 50 podcasts ago, I think. And I said, I'm going to get Rebecca on the show very, very soon. And here we are nearly nine months later. So better late than never, Rebecca. We've met up since then and you've always been so busy, but it's absolutely super to finally pin you down.
2: Excellent. So good to be here with you, Heather. Yes, we have met in all sorts of places all over the world. And how <laughs> fabulous and how lucky are we to be able to have the opportunity to do those things?
1: Well, yes. I mean, you've done a lot of travelling. You've done a huge amount of travelling this last year. So, uh, you know, I've I finally tracked you down near Sydney. So, yes, this I'm is back great. back in
2: Australia at home for a little while. In fact, I'm off again on Tuesday. So, We've just managed to fit in before I head back your way for a month for a family holiday, (laughs) So I've got my my children and my grandbaby, and we're all headed your direction.
1: Oh, yes, of course. You are a a grand – a Gigi now.
2: That's right. You got it. You remember, darling. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm way too young, I think, or I'm pretending that I'm way too young to be a grandma. So I thought Gigi was more appropriate. I think Gigi so is lovely. I, la- I laugh. <laughs> and you are you way too young. i are going him in the eye if he calls me grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky
1: bum if he calls me grandma. I know grandma. I'm your Gigi. I think Gigi's the best. I wish I'd chosen Gigi. Oh, that's right. So, tell us a bit for those of you who, who haven't come across you. Anybody's Anybody's been to any conference in <laughs> Europe, North America, South America will have come across you. But for those unfortunates who have not, can you give us a little yes. bit of a background on what you do and how you've got to where Certainly. you are now?
2: Certainly. Well, the last 12 years, well, coming up 13 years now, have been a roller coaster road for me to say the least. I've worked my butt off. Laughed a lot, cried a lot and learnt a lot of tough lessons along the way. Like you, Heather, we've talked about this before. In 2010, my kids were 9 and 11 and I was a real estate agent with my own business, selling houses and permanently renting property as well in Australia near Sydney. And The opportunity arose to manage one lonely short-term rental. And the rest is history. <laughs> so, over those 12, 13 years now, my team have looked after 1,300 properties. We've taken 65,000 bookings uh, with a value of over $100 million. And we've, most importantly to me, we've helped 500,000 families or people take fabulous holidays and create memories. And I think that's what we as short term rental managers and, you know, be very proud of is that we spend a lot of our time helping people create beautiful memories. During that time, of course, I've been a woman, which is not always the easiest. I've been a mother. I've worked with my husband in a startup That brought all its own challenges, obviously, and I, I laughed because I loved the song by Gloria or I will survive, because I think that was my mantra in the early days. In those 12 years, I've also lost my mother, um, which is, you know, it was a difficult time for me. Moved four times, renovated five houses, got divorced, got heartbroken, repartnered with my beautiful David that um, I think is actually more famous on the short-term <sighs> rentals industry set than I am, God love him, and started four businesses, raised my children and other people's children. Heather, I was always the house where the children came to uh-huh. um, to hang out and it seems as though, and I've always had young kids working for me as well. And I, you know, I pride myself on building a business that's very family orientated, and those children, you know, become part of my family—the young ones and the old ones as well, of course. You know, I think I'm proud to say that I've I've been very successful, and I've built a fabulous business. But I've learned a lot of tough lessons along the way, and I think we're going to share some of those today.
1: Exactly, exactly. Because I I sat in on your session at the Direct Books Summit in Barcelona, and it was 12 lessons that you've learned in 12 years. And every single one of them resonated with me. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, I've been there, I've done this. And I thought, that, and this is why I said at the time, got to get you on and talk about these 12 lessons, because yeah. I think they're going to be super helpful even if it's just for people to know that they're not alone. I think that's one of the biggest things. We're all
2: fighting the same battle, aren't we? We're all fighting the same battles. We all have the same problems. Yeah. Um, Probably for you and a few of the, many of the other women that have been in that room, and men, of course, but not, not necessarily as much because a bit of what I talk about is about being a woman and a mother and now a grandmother. It's, I think, running through and reflecting on our history is a bit like a cuddle. For all of us.
1: Isn't it? <laughs> like, that's a great way it. of putting it. it. <laughs> well, let's kick off with... Share your story. Yeah, let's kick Here off with the first one then.
2: Okay, so the first one is that revenue is vanity and profit is sanity. So I think that's a lesson I learnt the hard way. There's been some times over the years that I've really focused on building revenue but then I realised that I was sacrificing my profit by spending too much money on actually building the revenue up and bringing in sales and adding resource and employing mm-hmm. people that, you know, I mean, I've, I'd agree with anybody, you've got to employ smart people who are smarter than yourself. But um, I think sometimes you've really got to. Well, all the time, if I reflect back, I have to remember that profit is the sanity, and that's where you make money. That's how you build a business that becomes an asset. You've got to keep your eye on the prize. You've got to increase your revenue, but you've also got to decrease your expenses and be laser focused on the numbers, you know, yeah. most important. Um, a little example that I that I share is that if 100 businesses start, two years later, there's 20 left. hmm Four years later, there's four left. And of those people, only 1% earn more than a million dollars profit per year. So you've got a one in a hundred chance, if you start your business, of earning more than a million dollars profit a year. And I think, you know, for those people that are on the circuit with us and doing the same job as us, they should pat themselves on the back and realise just how well they're doing if they've been in business for more than four years. And, you know, and remember uh-huh. to focus on the bottom line.
1: Yeah. That's it's number in- one. It's interesting. I was talking to Chris Morn from IPRAC yesterday, and he was just talking about yes. financial hygiene and and the fact that when, when COVID hit, he had three years of running costs to keep him going. and And it was just about taking care of that money. So that was a good one. Okay, let's go for the next one.
2: Excellent. Okay, the next one is make the time now. In the beginning, when you, you know, when you're hungry and you're enthusiastic, you think that you actually have to work all the time. You know, I, I work 13, 14, 15 hours a day, seven days a week sometimes, but you've got to set the habits up and, you know, I you decide your future, but really it's the habits that you create that decide your future and you're in control of it. Our businesses are monsters But if we're not disciplined, we don't make the time now to have time with our family, our partners or husbands or wives. Go work in the canteen in Australia. I don't know what you call it over in um, the US or in Europe, but ours is the little canteen where the children come and buy their lunches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember my kids used to absolutely love it when mum was there because they'd bring all their kids to the canteen and they'd all buy red frogs. (laughs) <laughs> um, and and, and i give them the red frogs, of course. They didn't have to pay for them and they thought it was the best and my kids thought it was the best. Book in your time. Put it in your default diary so that you make sure because you can never get the time back, Heather. Make uh-huh. the time now. And also for your wellness, meditation, exercise, food, a well you means a well business. Nothing is more important than making the time now to do Fit in all the things that set you up for success as far as relationships and health are concerned. In mm-hmm. my opinion, make the time now is number two.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that, that's great. I I was twenty years as a property manager and twenty and when I left, when I sold the business, I had my first summer in twenty years that I enjoyed it, mm. and I could have done this before, but I didn't. So, yes. and yeah. And you've
2: got to make, so that's why that advice is so important. We've both been there. I've had moments, and, you know, now, as you know, we've discussed that I am making the time to head overseas. And we've just been through a summer here in Australia because it's the other side of the world. And we're in the middle of our peak season. So we're having all that sort of fun at the moment. <laughs> Moving on to number three. Um, this is one I think that is really tough. Develop a thick skin. <laughs> it's a tough gig running these businesses. Early days, I took everything to heart and every guest and every owner, I discounted, I gave refunds, I donated to every football, soccer, netball, tennis club, every charity that came along, I felt sorry for. I let people cancel their bookings because their dog died. I, yeah, I I needed to develop a thick skin and not take anything personally there were many times I got theory I think now I'm probably after you know not quite as long as you beautiful Heather but nearly I'm getting there I'm probably a bit of a bitch really (laughs) Um, which is probably (laughs) I'm probably that's actually not true I'm probably seen as a bit of a bitch you know because I've I've had to develop a, a thick skin in order to survive in this industry you can imagine like you would have 500,000 guests all and I think probably 10% of them tried on (laughs) uh, in some way shape or in some way shape or form so as far as guests and owners are concerned develop a thick skin and don't take anything personally or anything to heart. Um, Another thing in developing a thick skin is confronting the breach like when something goes wrong, you've got to confront it, not bury it. And my thin skin with my team would mean that I'd sort of, I wanted to say something about where they breached something. And I know breach is a hard word, but I think that saying is fabulous, confront the breach. So I would not do anything about it. And then there'd be 10 breaches and I wanted to kill someone, <laughs> right? I should, if I'd have confronted the first breach, Um, and had a bit of a thicker skin in that regard, then it would never have got to the 10th breach. And I probably, you know, wouldn't have been so pent up and so Mm -hmm. cranky about the situation. So it's, you know, I I had to realise in building my thick skin that it's not personal. And I I should have taught my team more Mm -hmm. to understand that the reason that I, and giving feedback is not personal. It's so that we can do better in our business. So all of that. And complain while you're still happy. Yeah? <laughs> Confronting yeah. the beach. <laughs> you know, like, make, give feedback while you're still happy.
1: Yeah, um, I love that I one. Think
2: is, yeah, <laughs> because otherwise it, it all goes pear-shaped, as they say. So number three is develop a thick skin with your guests, your owners, and your team. And, yes, always confront the breach while you're still happy. It's not personal. doesn't mean that you're unemotional either. (laughs) It's more professional to to have a thick skin.
1: That's it. Okay,
2: next. Beautiful. So this one could be a little bit controversial post-COVID. If possible, work away from home, kids and life partners while you're building your business. I guess things have changed, as I said, since COVID. A lot of people are working from home. But for me, it was about I need to distinguish between where I work and where I play. Mm-hmm. And that meant a desk in an office for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard in a startup because it's an extra expense, but that for me and I and I went into business with my husband and if I really reflect on it. It probably, we were married for 20-something 20, 20 years, but in the end it probably was one of the trigger factors that led to our uh-huh. um, our, our relationship's demise. Uh, fortunately, we're still great friends, and this week we're all, with my grown-up children and grandchild, we're all going to Mexico for 10 days' holiday. So I it ended okay in the end, but, I yeah, working with your life partner, Working with, you know, with your kids in the room is tough. I did it. I did it. I had my kids. I picked them up from school and I sat them in front of the television, you know, but I needed, I, with, with reflection, I think if I'd have separated those things a little bit more, I could have made the time now mm-hmm. for it. But I could have also focused 100% on getting shit done.
3: Even, you know, even there's a lot
2: of times when I was operating at 50. Even if it's a she shed in the garden. Just, doesn't matter. As long as it's a space, exactly. Space away. Stay yep. away from the washing machine, the washing machine. <laughs> and and the big one, Heather, is stay away from the fridge. I was just going right? to say stay away from the fridge. <laughs> so if you're not at home, you can't go to the fridge or the washing machine, the two places that I dislike the most I I laugh with my children because they do remember there were many times when they found their mother on the laundry floor crying and they (laughs) would wonder why mum was crying. And most of the time it was because the straw that broke the camel's back was the soccer socks. (laughs) I spent my entire life turning dirty, stinking soccer socks inside the right way so that they could be washed. And that was the, the culmination of all the strength. And I wanted to insert the soccer socks, not into the washing machine, <laughs> somewhere else and threaten to put them under my children's pillows if they didn't turn them in the right. So, yeah, stay away. If possible, work. Number four, number four is if possible, work away from home and your kids yeah. and your life partners.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Not
2: always easy, but yeah. Um, so moving on to number five, take risks, but only the calculated ones. That's great. So I am I guess I'm a risk taker in work, either, but I'm a real scaredy cat personally. So it's actually been a little conundrum for me. I'm not the, you know, I'm certainly no daredevil um, when it comes to my personal life or my adventure life or anything along those lines, but I've been a huge risk taker in business. There's been many times that I have hired somebody before I knew my business could afford them. There's been many times that I've taken risks when I thought that I could do it, but I was definitely not sure. But I always calculated it as well. You know, to scale a business is a risk for anybody, I guess. And what I did was I call the calculation is, you know, sometimes that's a dream, but success leaves clues. So I've always looked at other people's success stories and read, and got a you know chased mentors and paid for a great coach and you know I've done some I, I've done some planning every week. I've always you know done that blue sky thinking even if it's on my own when I'm lying awake in the middle of. The day. <laughs> There's so much on my mind. I try to move my mind away from day-to-day actions by having a piece of paper beside the bed and a pen. But I thought, well, I might as well do some blue sky thinking. And that taking a risk also comes down to um, if if you really want to be successful, in my opinion, it's really hard to do that if you're really conservative.
1: That is a great point. That's a lovely quote.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's whether you think you can, or you think you can't, mm-hmm. you're right. Mm-hmm. And I think it, my my key line to that: if you're going to jump, you've got to jump, and you've got to jump hard. Mm-hmm. And I and I did that, and I'm proud of myself for that. For not to be able to in business not be a a scaredy cat like I am in my personal life. And plan it. Make sure you think it through well. Then jump hard because if you haven't done all that planning, it's a gamble and there's a very big difference between a risk and a gamble. Yeah. And I I don't take any, I don't gamble anything. Yep. I take risks, but you know, I think about them very hard before I go and then I go full hard into it. So number number five is take risks, but only the calculated ones.
1: Yeah, and I think that is so important. Yeah, you said the difference between a risk and a gamble. If you're doing a calculated <laughs> risk then you've covered off what is likely yeah. to happen. So yeah, love
2: that. That's exactly right. So that's beautiful. Um so the next one we all resonate with which is recruit the best mm-hmm. and outsource the rest. As Richard Branson said to me once upon a time, always recruit people smarter than yourself in the group that I was lucky enough to be in with him in South Africa in 2018. <laughs> Um, there's lots of things in regards to recruitment, isn't there, Heather, and it's not my forte by any means of the imagination. I've made some crackingly good decisions and I've made more crackingly bad <laughs> When it comes to requ- hiring and firing. Yeah. You know, I think I've hired the right people and I've hired the wrong people and I've fired the right people and I've fired the wrong people as well. Mm-hmm. And in Australia, it's a very, very difficult process, much more difficult than in America. Once In Australia, once they've been with you six months, it's almost impossible to move them on. So it comes back to job descriptions, KPIs, goals, 360-degree feedback, Fire slow, fire fast.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, peanuts get monkeys. <laughs> you know, I think that's that's an interesting one. And what whatever's missing and you can't get now, we're so lucky because we're able to outsource them. Yeah. Those resources that you need. And by outsourcing, I don't necessarily mean offshore team members. I mean to a coach or... Uh, someone, you know, like yourself in your training programs, um, that's outsourcing. That's mm-hmm. outsourcing, finding out how to do things, you know, learn from the other people that know the industry and have done what we haven't done. And there's also, I've got, I have 14 Filipinos and, and a couple of Malaysians that work for me. And I guess the lesson that I've learned in those is that if they're cheaper up front, they require more training. Mm-hmm. If they're more expensive up front, you can probably get away with less training. So rec- recruit the best and people that don't have the skills that you have. Uh, recruit the right people to do the right thing at the right time and what you can't find outsource to someone that can help you be
1: better. And there's some, there's some great resources now. I mean, years ago there was really nobody to help you. Now you've got better talent Steve Trover's yes. organization you've got extent team yes. there are yes. if if you need people and you need them knowledgeable about the business and at any level you can approach these companies and they're going to help you find them it's not That's it's not right. necessarily and just my, going my other business yeah it's not yeah. it's not really other, necessary to go sorry. out and to upwork and and do it all yourself
2: it's not anymore it's not anymore and my other business holiday rental experts just this week has launched a outsourcing service for offshore team members that come already trained in str so we can talk about that at some other stage
1: so that was number six six. i'm going to break into the interview for just a few moments to hear about our sponsor minute we'll be right back with more great conversation shortly Welcome back, Nathan. I'm really enjoying hearing more about Minute week by week. And the question this week is one that I know that many owners and operators would have because guests can be really wary of monitoring devices. Should we tell our guests that we have Minute installed? You know, how do we reassure them that their privacy is going to be protected?
3: That's a great question. I think if the question were, are you required to tell your guests, it can be a bit of a gray area, right? Because it's important to note that minute does not record any audio. We are monitoring the sound levels, but we're not recording any audio and any sort of processing takes place on the device itself with edge computing so that we're only sent the decibel level. So no recording, no sound, no audio is transmitted even to our servers to process or anything of that nature. So technically speaking, most regulations will say you have to disclose a recording device, and this is not a recording device. Now, all that being said, we certainly recommend that you should tell your guests that you have something like minute in the property. Reason being, number one, you'll actually deter those types of guests who are planning to come and do something like throw a party or, or something that you would not prefer to happen inside your property. So it may actually result in you having a better quality of guests. Secondarily, if you've set up any sort of automated communication and they begin to get too loud and they receive an automated text or call, it can be a bit jarring to receive that without having known ahead of time that that sort of detail would be monitored within the rental. So we provide some information, including blurbs on our website, that you can actually add to the listing, letting people know that things such as noise, cigarette smoke, temperature, humidity are monitored within the property So they know it's for their safety and for their comfort, but also that you do know what the sound level is. And beyond this, obviously, if you prefer to disclose even more information, we give a welcome letter that you can add to your packet of information that you give to your guest. So we would say, yes, disclose it to your guest.
1: That's great. Thank you very much.
2: So we're moving on to number seven, which we were sort of talking about anyway, which is be a coach Mm -hmm. and delegate. So obviously to scale, you need a team, can't do it on your own, which is what we were just talking about, but you need to be able to be a coach to your team and to delegate as much as you can. And I've been really ordinary at both of those things. I'm harsh on myself, but the more team members I got, the less time they got of me, Mm -hmm. which meant that perhaps I set them up for failure because I didn't share with them what I wanted from them and what their position being successful looked like for me and my business. And if I are probably reflecting, and all these things are reflecting, you know, I'm Far from perfect. In fact, I have mucked up, because we're on a podcast, I'll use the M word rather than the F word. <laughs> I've mucked up more, more things in all of these points over the last 13 years than I care to actually think about, which is why I feel so passionate about sharing them with people that haven't been doing it yeah. for as long as you and I have Heather. I've mucked them up, but I wish that I'd have coached my team I've been more more of a coach to every single person that came on board because if I'd have given them a month or three up front, I probably would have set them up for success better over the years.
1: That is you so know, perfectly put. That,
2: yeah, yeah. And I, the people that I did, I was there you know, their coach and their mentor in the early days are still with me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got someone who's been working for me for 14 years, longer than I've been doing short-term rentals. I've got another for 11. I've got one coming up for 10. I've got three at seven. But those people knew Rebecca. They knew what Rebecca wanted. They knew the vision. They lived the vision. They lived the experience that we wanted to create for both our owners and our guests and then we got big and Rebecca was stuck not, you know, in that admin or the doing things that actually weren't that important. Yeah. So I I didn't provide them with that coaching and I wish that I had of. There are a few other things under that. Don't be addicted to being right. (laughs) You know, there's been some times when I probably thought I I was probably right, but it didn't matter. I should I didn't need to be right. I just needed to Be soft and kind and caring. Give feedback, comes back to what we were talking about before. Create an honest, open environment where people aren't frightened. There's a few times I've gone, I've got really cranky because people haven't done what I asked them to do and then they don't tell you so they hide things and you never find out that they didn't call that owner back until you've received the termination notice because they, and they don't, you know, uh, it, anyway, but open and honest, open, honest environment is very difficult to create in an industry like ours where there's a million things going on at,
1: yeah.
2: at any one time and we all make mistakes and we all miss things and I say to my team all the time, if you haven't got a memory like mine, write it down <laughs> and don't leave your desk until you've got through all, everything that you've written today because, of course, we know that you can get a blocked toilet in one of the, the 350 properties that we look after and if you don't write down that toilet is blocked you take 10 more calls and you've forgotten about the blocked toilet and then you get home and you wake up at 11 o'clock at night after you've been asleep for a couple of hours and you go oh shit I forgot the toilet and you know but that time someone else is having to deal with it on the after hours and the like so yeah get communicate as well with your team but Number seven is be a coach and delegate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I really resonate with a delegate because I I got... we didn't
2: talk a lot about that. Yeah, I got so...
1: I held all these things in that I knew how to do. And it was just, you know, it it just was going to take too long to teach somebody else to do it. So I may as well do it myself. And I think this is what so many people do. I'm the best at it. It's going to take me ages to teach somebody. So I'll just carry on doing it and then and then exactly
2: right that's what I have exactly why delegate is there and I'm sure that when we talked we laughed about that because being an entrepreneur I think maybe the the more successful entrepreneurs than us Heather I think are the ones that learn to let go and give it to someone else to do because to super scale You know, we've got a few mates in the industry. I would call you and I scalers. We've scaled our businesses. We've we've got very successful businesses. You've been successful in the transition to exit, but we're not super scalers. Mm -hmm. And I think these super scalers are able to adequately – oh, no, they're not control freaks like you and I have
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think fig- I figured that if I could have delegated out a lot more, we would probably have been a bigger company when we sold. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Moving on, number eight. Eight. Don't be afraid to be expensive.
2: Somebody has to be the most expensive. So discounting is a never-ending spiral. It, you've got it comes back to number one. Profit is mm-hmm. sanity. If you have a fabulous business and your team believe in you and you deliver on your promises, there's no reason why you cannot be the most expensive. And in turn, if you are the most expensive and you are delivering all those things, you'll also be the most profitable, right? So we come across regularly I, I in the areas that we operate. We probably are the most expensive, but we're also are confidently the best. Uh but obviously any new owner doesn't know that because they're not working with us and any owner that comes on board that's newly uh, a short-term rental owner doesn't know that either because they've never experienced the competition but I know because I've seen people come and I've seen them go and I've seen them come back to us and I, I say to my team our competition know what we charge and if they were confident that they could deliver the service and the bookings that we do then they'd charge the same as us mhm right yes they're
1: just not perfect. confident enough yeah
2: yeah yeah. So, it, exactly um, number 8 is don't be afraid yeah don't be afraid to be expensive or the most expensive because mm-hmm. someone has to be
1: yeah exactly someone and has deliver. to be but you you just said it you know you build that reputation and Correct. that enables you to charge more because people will seek you out because of the reputation that's exactly right
2: number nine know your competitors but don't be afraid of them (laughs) i haven't spent much time at all over the years looking at what the competitors do because i think all the time that you spend looking at that you're not spending looking at your own business Mm -hmm. and you can't change what they do copying and you know, I see that as flattery. You know, we, we write new web description formats on our properties and our competitors' copy. We do something, a discount, third night for free or something, and our competitors' copy. I think that if you obsess about the competitors, then you're losing focus on what you need to focus on, which is your own business. Don't compete on price. Don't get into a price war. In fact, walk away, I think. Um, but you know, stand tall and deliver on what you promise. Spend the time working on that so that mm-hmm. you can actually do the, the step before. Do the step before, which is be the most expensive, and just ensure that you look better and that you are better. Um, I think so. Know your competitors, but don't be
1: afraid of them. I like that. We we had a number of you know in the early days. I, I spent a lot of time looking at the competitors. Because nobody was sharing anything. Everybody was saying, you know, it's well, this is our secret. We're not going to let it out. But in in the last sort of five or six years I was in my business, it began to open up. We created an alliance of property managers in the area. We got together every month and we talked about what we did and then realized that we were all doing exactly the same thing in general terms. We were all servicing the same clientele we were going after the same owners. Maybe we we're doing it in different ways. But I think just getting together as an alliance and a network and talking to them frequently, they became friends. And mm-hmm. at that point, they ceased being competitors. And yes, it's always he- healthy to take a look at what others are doing. But yes, you're absolutely right. One, the, you will get copied. You will have competitors doing what you do. And, and for me, that was, that was always something to be proud of because. Yeah, flattery. It's yeah, flattery, yeah. yeah I felt exactly really right. flattered. You're doing, yeah. you're doing what we did, yeah. so clearly we're getting yes. it right. Yep, that's
2: right. Exactly, exactly. So, and number 10, everything changes. You know, one of the questions that I ask when I interview people is, do you like change? And I think <laughs> there's a lot of people who in the world don't like change. And if that's you, don't work in short-term rentals because Mm -hmm. everything changes. Change is just a complete and utter constant. You can't really even plan for it. So you just have to plan for it, if you know what I mean. Like you can't plan for the change, so you just have to plan for the change, that there's going to be change. You can train your muscle, I suppose, and teach your team that we can take advantage of change and we need to be able to pivot quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, in our industry and that is love change embrace change and be ready to pivot at any time and also there's no time to be perfect in our industry I don't believe we've got to just get something happening it's time to start it get on with it and do the best that you can because everything changes that's number 10.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd see it. We you mentioned the word pivot. I mean, the biggest pivot was COVID. COVID delivered the, the pivotal moments. We had to be. change entire business models because mm-hmm. what we were, what we had been doing, was not working anymore. And it didn't. Yeah. You know, what we did in 2019 was not working in 2021. So yes, but but when you've got a team that is prepared to see change happening. If if that's being communicated to them way before that change happens, then that makes it more easier for them to exactly uh, to confront exactly. it and to roll with it, enjoy it.
2: Yeah, yeah, roll with it. That's exactly right. You have to roll with it, otherwise it knocks you flat as you go straight up. <laughs> you know, it's like when you when you jump stunt people when they jump and roll. That's I think that's what we do every day in our businesses. <laughs> We jump and roll rather than fall flat on our faces, Um, which is interesting because number 11 is more wand and less whip. (laughs) So by that I mean be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you fail, which you will, and if you make mistakes, which you must, in order to learn, hopefully less because there's people like you and I out in the industry that have got the runs on the board that are helping people to make less mistakes and learn from our lessons rather than have to learn the hard way from their own. But if you do and you will, pick yourself up, shake yourself off, build an armour and a thick skin you are likely to be your, mo- your own worst critic anyway because you're an entrepreneur and a risk taker and create fabulousness
1: mm-hmm.
2: and by showing your wand and using your wand over yourself your team your guests your owners and less whip
1: yeah be um, kind to so yourself so number
2: 11 is be kind to yourself use mo- and, and everyone else um, <laughs> use more more of the wand and less of the whip
1: I like I like that I like Putting it like that, it makes me think of Harry Potter and wands and things.
2: It probably is a bit like that. Um, (laughs) And number 12, which is the final one, is be patient. That was my biggest struggle, I think. I wanted everything now and I wanted everybody to deliver as quickly as I could. It's the old tortoise and the hare story, isn't it, that many of us and perhaps even our youngest industry People probably don't even know the tortoise and the hare story. Um, I'm not going to reiterate it now. But I think we as an industry are so lucky we're building an asset, us business owners. We've got to remember that we're building an asset, a fabulous asset. And I know you do sessions that I've listened to about building it and then being able to benefit from selling out of it and how to do that. Um, But we're creating intergenerational wealth Mm -hmm. or a great retirement fund so that we can go around the country in an RV and enjoy ourselves. But be patient because it all takes time and then we can go on and spend the kids' inheritance, Heather, before we have to give it to them. Know what your business is worth. A little pressure along the way is okay because pressure creates diamonds and we are creating a diamond asset by building our short-term rental businesses which are very Mm -hmm. saleable good things come to those who wait my mother used to say to me very old-fashioned saying we're in it for the long game um and it does take time and i think the longer the time it takes to build the more solid it appears to be Mm -hmm. so i i think you know you and i having these long-term businesses 12, 13, 14, 15, 20 years, they're a really good asset now. Whereas if you build them very quickly, you know, many of my owners and many of your owners and my friends that we've grown together over 12 and 13 years. They stick by you and they support you even when times are tough like COVID and you have to, you know, pretty much shut down your businesses. So you have to be patient And what you're building is a diamond so the pressure that you feel is okay because the the end game is amazing and I've Mm -hmm. built a, a cracking business that now supports my whole family beautifully and the lifestyle that I've I now enjoy it was really really hard work I think for the first eight years seven years. I think the seven year itch is appropriate (laughs) in business as well as relationships. So I think seven years you get to a point where you've worked your butt off and your business is probably set up to give you the time that you want to be able to enjoy. Mm -hmm. But it also comes back to number two, which is make the time now to do those special important things. Be patient is number 12. Those are my 12 lessons. 12 of hundreds of thousands of lessons but they're the pertinent ones that you know I think really it, when I reflect I go yes if I'd have been better at all those things I probably would have had a better more mm-hmm. profitable even better even better even more profitable even more freedom giving business Heather.
1: Yeah, it's and I think it's a lot of people doing a lot of reflection now, you know, uh, with Brooke Fouts p- p- putting out his, yeah. his book, Vacation Rental Secrets, where he asked so many property managers what mistakes that they had made. And in fact, what they came up with most of them was what we could have done better. And, and I love that mm. last one, Be Patient, because I, I knew when we started our business that we were going to sell it one day. But it, it wasn't going, it's not a pop-up shop. It's not one of these, no. you know, it's not going to something that you're going to start up and then get rid of in 3 years time. It's it's not that type of business. And we were 5 years out when we decided that we were going to sell, but it was going to take at least 3 to 5 years before we'd be in that position to make that sale and it just covid just happened <laughs> happened to come along yes. and sort of uh, upset the apple cart a little bit but you know even so because we we were patient and we were well prepared we were so well prepared for the sale we had all our ducks in a row we had all our figures we had the business in the right state for sale and I can't stress that enough for people, is that you don't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to put my business on the market. You have to yeah. you have to do it over a period of time and, and be prepared for it. And that be patient is, you know, it taxed me sometimes when I was thinking, oh my God, I've yeah. got another summer to do. We we can't do this yet, but we, we were patient. The other thing you said, which really resonated with me, was um, it's what we call, because... Phil, my husband and I, we we, we we are skinnies, you know, spending kids' inheritance now.
2: <laughs> the plan's got to be to earn enough money that we can spend a lot but still leave them enough to maybe, you know, I don't know.
1: Take a holiday.
2: That's my holiday, they they'll be okay. They'll be okay, yes. They probably won't have to work as hard as I have. They won't have to. I hope they choose to because I think it's good for the soul to work hard and and play hard as well so well yeah, you've been i i
1: do you've been monument, you've now. been monumentally successful and yeah. it's out of that hard work so we heard at the beginning about your uh, property management but what about holiday rental experts what uh, what are you doing with that okay.
2: So I am, it's the year 2024 is about holiday rental experts. I decided after doing all these talks and the like that I could actually monetize my um, mistakes and learnings and lessons and all the um, times I fell flat on my face instead of did that um, stuntman role. So now I have a, a, a few products in in the coaching realm. So I'm not doing one-on-one coaching. I'm just doing one-to-many coaching. Mm -hmm. I have three levels of coaching that I'm going to launch in the next little while. Um, One is a coaching program for small property managers who are just getting up and running. Um, So it's called um, Focus and Grow to help small property managers focus and do the right thing and learn from my lessons and grow. And then I have another coaching program called Empower STR Managers um, and it's for say 30 to 200 properties, and then the next one I'm building is a super scaler, so <laughs> um, to help people that that want to be bigger than I am, um, because I think I can I can tell them how to do it, even though I couldn't do it myself or I haven't done it myself. So we've got coaching. We're also building a outsourcing or offshore virtual assistance business where we will provide short-term rental managers all over the world with virtual assistance, mostly in the Philippines that have done some deep onboarding into the industry and understand and have, perhaps even have had some experience in the industry. And people can recruit them and they can either pay them themselves or they can pay us and we'll look after those people in a call centre in the Philippines. So outsourcing and coaching is our thing. Um, We're doing a little bit of training in Australia, but that's just for our Australian folk because in New South Wales and a few of the other states, Heather, I don't know whether you know, but we're required to be licensed real estate agents and we have to do – Mm. training annually Mm -hmm. in order to keep our licences and there's been never any short-term rental specific training. We've all done training that's about permanent rentals or sales and that got a bit boring. So I went to the Department of Fair Trading who runs that training and I got approval to build short-term rental related continuing professional development. So we're running that hopefully to two or three hundred short term rental managers over the next two months because we've got to have it done by the twenty second of March each year. <laughs> so that's all a bit of fun.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, it never never stops, does
2: it? People can find us no it does People can find us on our website, um, which is holidayrentalexperts.com.au, dot which is AU is for Australia. I find when I say dot AU to um Americans, they can't get my A. I think they think it's I, but it's A for Australia and you.
1: <laughs> I will. I will put that on the show notes. So okay, darling, that's beautiful. All so, right. I mean, thank you so much for today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Glad to see you. We will probably cross paths again in the in twenty twenty four. We definitely will at a conference near 100%. near us. Are you going to Barcelona? <laughs> uh, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yeah, Never. not sh- not sure yet. But anyway, it's been it's, okay. it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Rebecca. Thank you so much. I, you know, I'm so pleased I finally nailed you down on this one.
2: Beautiful, lovely. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day.
1: Well, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Rebecca. She has so much energy. So much energy, so much enthusiasm for this business. She always motivates me. If I'm feeling, actually, if I feel a bit down, then I'll go listen to somewhere. And now I've got a whole podcast to listen to so I can listen to her, listen to her voice. Um, And it always lifts me up if I'm feeling a bit down. Ultra successful. And I give her so much credit for getting to where she is today in, in such a relatively short space of time. So thanks so much, Rebecca, for joining me. I hope I get to see you at a conference somewhere in 2024. So that's it for another week. Don't forget that in just two weeks time, we'll be kicking off our stir crazy month. And that is a month of five different topics, stir standing for Safety, Sustainability, Trust, Insurance and Regulations. So each of the five weeks will be on each of those topics. You'll be hearing podcasts, there'll be panels and webinars and blog posts and we'll be talking about it across all the social media channels over the month of February. We really want to bring to the forefront these pillars of this business So many people are coming into the business without even thinking about many of these things, which are so important. So we want to get it out there that it's primary to anybody entering this business to think about safety, sustainability, trust, insurance, regulations. Okay, so watch out for that. That will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much for joining me once again. See you again next week.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by Minute. Don't forget to check the link in the description of this episode to meet Minute and discover the best smart device you will ever integrate into your short-term rental business to help protect your investment and keep your neighbors happy.
1: It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.